Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. My name is Rhody Fisher. Thank you for joining us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for being here today. Honor, worship, love. Thank you for my special guest, husband coming, Sean, as well as Guy, and and also Bob out there. And Father, with all of us, so from Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, um, we are in Psalm 54 today. So, uh, Lord, I want to thank you for your word. Give us understanding of your word. Um, I'm going to start and I'm going to read out of um, King. James. Um, I know that I sometimes read out of the um, the um, NIV, but it's going to be King James today. And this is David. Again, he's being betrayed um, by heathens. And, you know, I know we can all relate to this as believers, but, you know, it hurts even more when we're betrayed by Christians. And I hate to say this, but I think we can attest to that too. But anyhow, David is being betrayed here. So let me start by reading the, the, the prelude or the precursor to um, the psalm itself. To the chief musician on Naganath. Um, I think Naganath, it says on Naganath, or it's Naganath. Um, I think that's an instrument. I, I, I believe it's an instrument. And the person's name is next. Um, Machil, a psalm of David, when the um, Ziphites came and said to Saul, doth not David hide himself with us? So here's here's the, the first verse go, say, um, with David saying, save me, O God, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. He is begging God. He knows God and God knows him. and he's saying save me oh God and I know that I've also been in places like that where we can hardly breathe hardly think something's happening and it overwhelms us and we cry out to him we say save us save me from I remember um, something happening that was really terrible somebody was trying to steal something from me um, I'll just say it was my house they were trying to get their name on my house and I didn't know that I, it's too long a story to go into now but when I heard about it all I could say was Res- rescue Lord I remember getting in my car. I thought, can I even drive? I just wanted to get home. And when I got home, the only thing I could say all the way as I drove home was rescue, rescue, rescue Lord. When I got home, I saw Mark and I said, Mark, you're going to have to fend for yourself for dinner because I'm going upstairs and I probably won't come down tonight. And I just kept saying till I fell asleep. Rescue. I could not say another word. This is how David is right now. He's been betrayed saying, save me, oh God. And he's had to say this. I mean, we're on Psalm 54. So we've gone, you know, 53 Psalms and many Many of them sound like this. So he's saying, save me, O God, by thy name, not by any other name. He's talking about God, the, the big G God, not those little gods that make out of stone or make out of wood and hang there and worship that. No, he's talking about God, the one that created the heavens and the earth. As a matter of fact, he says that further down in the song, but judge me by your strength. He knows the strength of God, he knows God intimately. He's begging God to save. By the way, this psalm is written about the incident where the the the, Zip, the the Ziphims are betraying him. And you can look that up yourself. I'm not going to go to that verse right now. It's in 1 Samuel uh, 23, 19, where he's being betrayed by the by them. So verse 2, hear my prayer, O God, give ear to my words. You know, I sometimes say to God, I, I you know, God knows everything, but sometimes I give him a whole story about what happened. You know what happened? That girl did this to me and that to me. I like, I have to give him a whole infom- 
infomercial about how to do things and what the whole event was about. And here, David is saying, listen to me, God, This, hear me, hear my prayer. He's begging God, not that doesn't realize that God hears him. God hears everything. He's asking, beg, hear my prayer, God. That's what you do in desperate time. Your Lord, it's me. Again, give ear to my words. I'm out. You know, again, I'm going to say like God doesn't know what's coming out. His heart and his brain is coming out. Every war of his body is how he's feeling. Hear him, God. Um, and okay, let me just keep going. So verse three, for strangers are risen up against me and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Selah. Selah means to rest. Oz. Um, he's talking about these people that don't even know God. They're strangers. Strangers from him, strangers from God. They they don't know God. They're not followers of God. So for these strangers have risen up against me. He's begging God. You know, this thing that I told you about somebody trying to get their name on their my property, um, that happened to a friend of mine. It actually happened where they, they did get their name on prop on prop. And I, I don't know how much pain that caused her, but I know for me at the time that it was happening and I put a stop to it, it almost went to court. Um, but listen, when we are in time of trouble um, and we see that the enemy is, is doesn't even know God, we're, we're telling God, listen, I've known you. You've known me intimately. These guys, they don't even know you and they're doing this to me. Careful. Okay. Um, so in verse, um, we're going to serve verse four. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is is with them that upright uphold my soul. So he's declaring that the Lord is his helper. Um, I think about verse, um, I'm sorry, I think about chapter um, 121 when I think of helper. When, let me just see, I should get, don't have it marked, but let me read it. Kind of know it by heart so I didn't didn't um, put a little bookmark there where, where God is our helper. You know that song that says, um, um, I lift my eyes up to the mountain. Where does my help come from? Well, if that song comes from this verse, um, I mean, this chapter, Psalm 121, where does our help come from? It comes from the Lord. So here it is. I will lift my th- my eyes unto the hill from whence cometh my help. Talking about God, creator. And then it says, my help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He's the one that made heaven and earth. That's the God that we're talking about. And I, I just mentioned the other day, when when I called upon the Lord for the first time ever, I mean, I prayed as a little kid, and I prayed for years, memorized prayers, like, you know, the Lord's Prayer and things like that. It's just that I'd been that God. I was searching elsewhere. People know that know my testimony know that I was very close to becoming a Hindu. They worshiped three and a half million gods. I thought I'm bound to pray to the right one. And when I was in great need, God was dying. I have three to six months to live. I said, God, one that heavens and earth, that God. I knew somebody created this. And if I was going to ask for prayer, I wanted that God. I didn't realize it was in the Bible here, creator of heaven and earth. But God, you know, I must have heard it or, you know, whatever. Um, My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. That's who, that's who he's calling on. I also want to turn to um, Acts 18.5. And this is about another guy that's calling on the Lord. You know, um, we're talking about, we're talking about Paul. Paul being in trouble here. So, Paul is in Corinth, and he's preaching to the Jews, telling them that this is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. And he's getting all kinds of guff from the Jews. They want to kill him. They want to, you know, run him out of town. But when you read, eight, and you can read that in Acts 18, 5 and 6. I'm not going to read it today. But if you go down to Acts 18, 9, Paul gets a word from the Lord. And it says here in verse 18, 9, I mean, chapter, Acts chapter 18, verse 9, it says, Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy, thy, thy peace. Meaning, I'm going to be with you. Speak the words that I've called you to speak. Don't be afraid. He says here, do not be afraid, but speak. He's called Paul to do this work. And it's a tough job. After that, Paul decides he's going to kind of 
focus on the Gentiles, but, you know, the Jews did get saved. So anyhow, where does this help come from, Paul? From the Lord. And so where does our help come from? The Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where does, who does, who does David call on? He calls on the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. <clears throat> okay, so we're in verse verse 5. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Yeah, he's going to give those enemies the business. Cut them off at thy truth. I will freely sacrifice unto thee. I will praise thy name, O Lord, for it is good. Um, I love that verse. He's saying, I will freely give you sacrifice. I will freely give you what you deserve. Um, in those days, they, you know, sacrificed animals. In the, these days, we we sacrifice our time, our, you know, our maybe our homes, our, our money, our cars, whatever we do for the Lord, whatever, you know, we can do for him um, is what we try to give him. And there's that scripture that says, freely I give right here. But, you know, that's the way God wants us to give our tithes, that he loves the happy giver. Those that are not going to begrudge. Oh, my gosh, I'm writing this check. Oh, Lord, this is going to take a big chunk out of my budget. No, he doesn't want that money. It's his anyway. He wants us to freely give him, freely give of our time, ourselves, our money. Um, and that's what he's saying here. These sacrifices, these animals that I sacrifice to you, I'm going to freely do it. Um, there's a place where he says, you know, don't give me that. I, I'll pay for that. I, he doesn't want to give anything that got came to him free. He'd rather pay for it so he could sacrifice it to the Lord. So verse 7, for he hath delivered me out of all trouble and my eye had seen his desire upon my enemies. So God is who he's looking to, to take care of all of our enemies. And don't you feel, sometimes I'm going to just refer to Pauline here, that, you know, I don't remember having this many enemies, but when you come to know Christ, people either like you or they don't. And, and, and I take it that, you know, sometimes they hate the Christ in us. I, I remember one girl saying to me, and this was maybe last year. She said, I don't particularly like you. I'll never forget those words. I don't particularly like you. Really, what did I do? Well, you know, unfortunately, we we try to stand for Christ and, and give the word um, in love. But I don't even think I gave her any words in love. I mean, not that that didn't come out right. Any any words about the Lord? Um, I know I was talking to somebody in front of her, so maybe she overheard something about the Lord. But um, yeah, as we walk this walk with Jesus, there's haters of Jesus that, unfortunately, they hate us too. Um, they've got to pick a side. But anyhow, um, he ends with he's going to praise. God's name. And that's where I want to end this, is that in all things, we need to praise him, even through the trouble, even through trouble. The Bible says, um, all things will work together for good to those that love him and are called by his purpose. And I remember somebody saying to me, even the bad things will work together for good. The times that we spend in the desert the times that we spend in really rough things, it's okay. I don't want to go there anymore, but, you know, we've been there, right? And when it does happen, it'll come together for good. Um, so because he loves us and we're called by his purpose. So thank you for your word, Lord. I want to introduce to you um, my guests. Now, I know that I met you right after you got married. 
And was that like 14 years ago or, or nine? Nine. Nine years ago. Nine. Yes. Okay. I overshot that. Okay. Um, so I met her uh, about nine years ago and um, we were doing kind of ministry side by side. I knew, I knew her, her husband and several friends and we got to meet for the first time. We prayed together over the years and have called upon the Lord for our children. Yes. And um, she's been a great help to me and, and I hope I've been to her because, you know, when we're walking this walk, it's not always roses. And so I'd like to introduce to my um, listeners, um, Pauline. Welcome, Pauline. It's Thank been a you. long time since I've seen you. I know I've talked to you a bit, but I think um, maybe I saw you like in November or something. Around that but time. Mm-hmm. even before that, it's been at least two years Yes, before that. So, um, but we're never too far away because of the phone. You know, you can pick it up. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so blessed to be here today. Okay. And we're blessed to have you. Pauline, for our um, listeners who have not ever met you, give us a little background of where you were born. um, How many children in your family? Did you ever go to church as a child? Were you raised in the church? Give us a little bit of background about where, about Pauline. Well, it's just a blessing again to be here, and I want to welcome all the listeners. And um, my name's Pauline, and uh, I'm 49 years old, and I was born in East Los Angeles, and I grew up in Montebello. Oh. Yes, and uh, I was just so blessed because I did come from a Catholic family, and I was in church with my grandmother. The only thing was I never had a personal relationship with God. We were always on our knees. She took me to every Catholic church. And uh, I did come from a Catholic family. My uh, sisters and brothers went to Catholic school. I didn't. I was the one that said, I don't want to go. But it was so interesting because everything that's happening now, whatever you go through when you're younger, it comes to pass for your calling. So I just want to encourage the listeners out there that even in your beginning, there's always victory to what God's going to do in your life when you are called and chosen and when you do have that relationship with God. Wow, that's so good. Yeah. Now, tell me, how many children were in your family? There was four. And so I'm the oldest and I'm also the oldest grandchild. Okay. Wow. So grandma really took care of you. Yes. Wow, that's beautiful. And so um, tell us a little bit about going through junior high and high school. And when is it that you finally accept the Lord? Well, in, so, ju- when, in junior high and high school, I was so in love with cheerleading. That was my idol. I loved cheerleading. Even church was around. But again, church was around for like Easter, for Christmas. We were traditional Catholics. And um, I didn't really have a relationship with God. I used to do the sign of the cross. I used to say the prayers. But I didn't have that encounter or that relationship. But in junior high, I wasn't into drugs or anything like that. I was a good student. I was a cheerleader. But I started to want to just be so dedicated to cheerleading. I wanted to be a Laker girl. I wanted to be a Raider Ed. So I would just get so many trophies. I was the most uh, dedicated in everything I did in cheerleading. Cheerleading was my idol in my world. And I was so into it where I would get all the trophies for all the (laughs) events we would have when it was time for trophy time. So I just remember even having the flu and still not missing practice. I was so dedicated to that. That was my whole life. And my mom, you know, she uh, was educated and uh, she was a registered nurse. And also a big part, too, was I grew up at the hospital. (laughs) Because my mom worked in the emergency room at USC. So I grew up, you know, after the child care would close down, there was no child care. So my mom worked all those shifts as a single mom. So I had to go to the hospital. So I grew up in the hospital, too, around the nurses and the doctors. Now, the other children would go, too. You you said there were four of you. Well, there was only two born at the time. Oh, so okay. I'm the oldest. So uh-huh. You got to go. I got to go. So I got to be around all the nurses, all the doctors. So there wasn't really drugs or alcohol or anything around me like that. I grew up in a good environment with good values. Wow. Wow. So your mother was really... Now, did your mother go to church too, to the Catholic church? Yes. And so she might take you other than just your grandma? It was more my grandmother taking me. My mom would take us. She would take us. But my grandmother, 
I would drive my grandmother. So she would always want to go pray. So it was more with her, but with my mom too, but more different. Okay. Let me ask you this. As a, as a Catholic, did you also do first communion? Everything. And, and you, you would go and um, to, to the priests and, and do your confession Yes. Okay. So you were just knee deep in Catholicism then. Yes. Very traditional. Traditional. Okay, great. Now um, you mentioned um, school. Did you, did you also go to college or not? No, I didn't. Okay. Cause your mother was a nurse and yeah. I thought maybe I went to junior them. college, but I didn't finish. So okay. I did, but I didn't finish. Okay. Yes. And I did want to follow that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I could see that because you were so interested in. And I got certificates. Like I said, I went to junior college, but I didn't get my degree. I got certificates. So preschool teacher, I worked in the outpatient surgery. I did different things in junior college, but I didn't go to that level like my other family members. Because 98% of my family members are all educated to the top. They have doctors, they have masters, they have, you know, education. I came from an educational family. I was the only one out of my whole family that didn't finish their education. That's interesting because you were also the oldest. Yes. And I am the oldest grandchild too. And I am also the first one in our family to come to the Lord full on. Wow. That's now there's, there's something you can hang your hat on. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's awesome. Now, okay, so you you you're growing up in this environment, a very structured environment, um, a lot of educated people in your family. So, how is it that you you know leave Catholicism behind and become born again? How did you find Christ? Well, I was searching because I've had things happen to me. Like in high school, I had my daughter in my senior year. So when my mom was at work, I was doing things that I shouldn't have been doing, you know, and I got pregnant with my daughter. She's 30 years old now. And I got pregnant. And also my mother was pregnant with my brother. So there was a lot of things that I went through. And as that time passed, you know, then I uh, got into also a relationship that wasn't right you know, uh, with this man and just started going downhill, still going to Catholic church, still trying to be a good person, not on drugs, not anything like that, but just going like in the wrong direction, making wrong choices. And I, I couldn't get it right. Mm -hmm. I kept looking for love in the wrong places. I said, well, that didn't work out. I got pregnant young. It didn't work out with her dad. I got married. I got divorced. We're very young, forced to get married. And then that didn't work out. So I went to another relationship thinking, oh, this is going to be the one. So I was searching for God, but not knowing it, searching for love in all the wrong places. Wow. While still trying to go to church, still trying to pray, like you said, to idols and, you know, always pray to Jesus, but asking the Virgin Mary maybe to help me. Just like, like you said, looking and looking and searching and couldn't find it. Right. And it was really God that I needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, um, you mentioned that, um, you know, you had a couple of kids. And so you, after your divorce, you're, you My get first married divorce, and your, yes. your first divorce. Do you have support from the family? Are they helping you through this? Yes. Okay, so good. My family... family- is really important. very, very supportive, even in the midst of my challenges, not judged, just, you know, I had to live with my mom. I didn't have enough money. Even going to junior college, I wouldn't finish because I would get distracted. And they were always there financially, mentally, emotionally. They didn't under, they didn't judge me, but they really thought I was going to be okay. But then, you know, like you said, when you come to Christianity, it even got even worse because they're not used to that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people kind of reject you. Um, And, you know, we're in good company because the the Lord was betrayed himself. So so how do you find Christ? What is it that turns your whole life upside down and, and you think, okay, this is the direction I'm going to now? What leads up to it and how do you finally make that decision to come to Christ? So I was in junior college again Mm -hmm. and I was going to be a preschool teacher. This is about uh, the year 2000. Mm -hmm. So um, I met these two girls that they were um, part of our staff with a program I was in. It was it was a program for people that kind of made mistakes 
and they were single moms and they were trying to get back to college. Mm -hmm. So I was in a program and you were going to be able to get your units to become a preschool teacher. So they said, hey, we want to invite you to Calvary Chapel, Montevallo. Okay. And I said, oh, okay. Who was the pastor at that time? Pastor uh, Pancho Juarez. Oh, yeah. Pancho Juarez. Yes. I remember him. Yes. And um, so, you know, back then I was like going to Catholic, I was searching, going to Catholic church, trying to go to a Christian church, didn't really know. Um, Just to speed back though, to backtrack, when I was 17, I did get led to the Lord over the phone, but nobody discipled me. I didn't know what to do. And I still went that way. Okay. 17. Yes. Um, You you already have one child. Yes. Because you were a senior when when that happened. So 17, who calls you? It's a family member. Um, of, of a friend and they okay. asked me if I wanted to receive the Lord because I was telling him about all these problems I was having. He goes, what, do you want to see the Lord? And I said, okay. And I did. Yeah. So I received the Lord when I was 17, but I had nobody working with me, no direction, no nothing. And then I was bouncing from Catholic church, Christian church. I wouldn't really know what to do. So then a speed up to 2000, when these girls invited me to church. to the so how, many, how many years is that? Like four? 17 to 2000. Um, no, because I was a, a senior in high school. I graduated in 1990. Okay. And then, uh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so there was a span there. Yeah. And with the span, that's when all, you know, the challenges even got even deeper. So 10 years. Yes. So when these young ladies invited me to the church, I said, yes. I remember the month. It was May 2000. And this will be your anniversary month coming up then yes. this May. Okay, great. I'm so excited. And um, so we're there and they're pre- he's preaching the gospel. I never met the pastor. I heard him on the radio before. I know he was well known. And I said, Calvary Chapel. Okay. So I go there. I go there with my sister. She was 10 at the time. I was in this program. I was in my 20s and I have my two sons now. They're babies. And he said, if you wanted to receive the Lord, I remember I jumped over people to receive the Lord. And then my family Sounds members, familiar. <laughs> my family members followed me and received the Lord. And I never looked back from that day on. And there's also much story to tell from that moment on, you know. Okay. So you accept the Lord and your, your sister accepts the Lord at 10. Yes. Is that what you said? And then how about your, you have a 10 year old too, right? Um, at the time? Yeah. No, it was just me and my sister there. Oh, okay. Okay. So you both accept the Lord. Yes. Beautiful. Now, do you start to go to church? What happens? Because um, do you get planted in a church? Do you find something close by? What do you do? So when I got saved, like I said, I was in a relationship that I shouldn't have been with the father of my children. We weren't married. And um, that moment when I got saved, he also got saved too that day. So it was the three of us. But when I got saved, it was like such an encounter of transformation in that moment. I never, I wanted to do everything for God from that moment on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I had to get right with everything. So it was such a transformation that I was like, okay, what am I going to do? And I didn't really know anybody from the church. And uh, I would just always go there and I'd be crying. And I already made the altar call. They say, you already got saved. And why are you crying so much? And they just, it just was pouring out of me. I was getting healing, but, and then my kids, sometimes they would act up in kids ministry. So they would pull the number, like you have to pick up your kids. And I would just felt so like, you know, I was going everywhere. I was just, nobody really was working with me at the time. So I was bouncing and searching and searching. Yeah. So you didn't get into a place that you could really um, be cared for. Um, Discipled. Yes. And discipled. Yeah. Okay. So what happens after that? So after that, as I'm still being in a preschool environment of being a preschool teacher, my kids also were in an after school program. So there was a teacher there that I never seen. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me, even bouncing from church to church, not really being discipled. And I'm so grateful to Calvary Chapel because I got saved there. They were Bible based and an encounter happened there. And they did what they could working with me at the time. So that was the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And my kids love that ministry. Wow. So this lady at a desk, you hear the Holy Spirit say, ask her what church she goes to. Mm-hmm. And remember, I'm still a baby Christian. I don't know anything, but I know the voice of God came through me because who else said that? Mm-hmm. So I said, what church do you go to? So you actually kind of hear it with your own ears or yes. you hear it in your heart? Both. Wow. Okay. 
So she says, I go to Victory Outreach. And I said, oh, I said, I don't know how that's going to work for me because <laughs> I'm not a drug addict because that's what I thought that church was. Right, right. And a lot of people that, you know, came out of there, yeah. you know, had that that issue. And I am so grateful for, for that ministry yes. because they really fill a gap that wasn't being filled before um, other than um, uh, what is that ministry? Maybe Salvation Army or what is the one that the Jordan was involved in? Teen uh, Challenge. Willie, Willie Jordan. Oh, well, I, was Rescue it? Mission. Yeah. Rescue Rescue Mission. Mm -hmm. What is that ministry called? Is it Rescue Mission? Um, um, anyhow, um, Willie Jordan, I think she and her husband were involved in that rescue mission uh, ministry, but yeah, they, they really do fill a gap. Okay. So go ahead. You, you ask, you feel the Holy spirit is talking to you and obviously so because you yes. asked the question and she says, victory outreach. And I said, okay, I'll visit. She goes, yeah, you should come visit sometimes. She goes, our pastor wasn't a drug addict. We should come visit. So she like oh. just said it just like that. So I said, oh, okay. So I visit. And the first time I visited a really small church, maybe 30 people. And I really liked it because as soon as I visit, you just felt love. Like you said, love. We need love. I was looking for love. But there was an encounter there. The Holy Spirit fell on me. And I felt like such, like if I was getting deliverance, mm -hmm. like my pain was turning into something different. There was just an encounter that I couldn't explain. Mm -hmm. So I started going there on Tuesdays and Fridays. I wouldn't go on Sunday yet because I would bounce from Catholic church to Christian church. Even being a Christian baby young, I didn't know how to turn my back on my family. Right, right. <laughs> right? Right, right. I would still do that yeah. just so everybody could be happy. Right. So when I had the transformation, it's almost like I got saved at Calvary. Mm-hmm. And God guided me. An encounter happened there. I went to Victory Outreach. So we're talking about 2005, 2006. Okay, so had five an, or six late, years yes, later. Had an encounter there of a, another divine encounter. And then God unfolded my call as I went into that ministry. So let me ask you this. You, you know, um, do, you, do you think at the time that you went to victory outreach that that you encountered the holy spirit do you think that you had maybe a baptism of the holy spirit or he became more real to you what do you think i think it was the timing as god was going to do something in my life for the future that i had to be there to have that experience like mm -hmm. you said it was like a it was an experience of getting deliverance mm -hmm. from being attached to my relationship. Because remember that I was still in the process of going through my divorce and everything through my second marriage, you know? So I needed people that were going to help guide me, not tell me what to do because the pastor would say, we're not here to tell you what to do. We're here to guide you. We're here to, to lead you and teach you how to pray and fast. So you could stand on your own. And that's, they discipled me. Wow. That's great. So, um, now this victory outreach, was that also in Mont Montebello or is somewhere else? Yes. Okay. So you stay there for the next few years. Yes. Going on Tuesday night and, and Friday. Yes. Yeah, so what happened was when I started with them, it was Monterey Park victory outreach. Mm -hmm. And as a couple of years being there, so then my kids were in the church too and stuff, but then the pastor announced, we're going to move to a new city. So I got all excited because it didn't matter where they were going to move. I knew this was my church. I knew that I was getting healing. My life was different. And I wanted to stay and be a part of the church and be a blessing also. And he says, we're going to Montebello. And I got so excited because I already lived there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> That's great. So when do you feel a calling on your life? And what is the calling? Well, the calling didn't come right away. I I always thought that I was just going to stay in that church, be an old lady, pay my tithes, see my children grow up in that church, and never leave my pastors ever. Wow. So what was happening as I was getting healed and delivered, being in that church, as the process went through, I started to feel different. 
the the healing process that I got in the beginning was God told me, I'm going to give you your life back. I'm going to give wow. you your innocence back and your purity back because I went through my divorce. And then I, I was in the church also as a single woman of God. Mm-hmm. So I went through that process. And as I was getting delivered, as time was coming, it wasn't deliverance right away. I was still attached to that man, not because I was so in love with him, but I thought, what's going to happen to my kids? Mm-hmm. I already went through one divorce. Now there's going to be more problems and they're not going to have their dad. Mm-hmm. But as I went through the process of being delivered, I felt much more wanting to come out of me. Mm-hmm. And what I want to encourage your listeners is that through all my pain became the passion of my call as I sit here today. Wow. That's really good. Now, what is your call? Because the calling on your life probably evolved. It wasn't what it is today. But so what is the process for you? The process that I had with my calling was, like I said, the pain that I went through, the trials, the tribulations, it brought a passion for prayer. Because mm-hmm. I was so like, God, change this man. My whole focus was on their dad changing. Mm-hmm. And I did see a transformation, but not committed. Mm-hmm. And God, I finally said, I remember one day, Greg Glory was on the TV doing one of his big crusades. Mm-hmm. And being a Christian, I got on my knees and I said, you know, God, you don't have to save my marriage, but save his soul. And I'll leave it in your hands. Mm-hmm. And whatever you want for me, I'll go forward. And the passion of prayer is my call, intercession, helping others to be encouraged to know that no matter what they go through, they're going to survive, they're going to make it, and they could pray themselves through. Like you said, God is their everything. Mm -hmm. And through everything I've been through, falling in love with Jesus has been the greatest call upon my life because I'm able to sit here and tell you that is the answer to fall in love with God and everything Mm -hmm. else will work out. Wow, that's so good, too. Um, So do you have a group that you pray with? Are you teaching people how to pray? Are you um, what what is what does your ministry look like today? Well, right now I'm in a transition because of the COVID. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, So but I'm starting some great stuff. I do pray on the phone with people that come to our church and that don't come to our church. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a prayer ministry that uh, building intercessors, coaching them, encouraging them, and, you know, standing in the gap for our unsaved loved ones, our children, grandchildren, community. And I'm going to be starting in the neighborhood soon, a prayer group with the neighbors, because I'm very community. They go to other churches. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we want to do. And I just want to continue to coach and, and empower people how to pray. Mm-hmm. Just like people that I talk to on the streets that are maybe addicted or homeless, I pray with them, but I tell them, you have the power to pray too. I said, I want you to pray right now. And they said, I can't pray. And then people will say, why would you ask somebody to pray that's not saved? I said, because they have the same power. It says that in the Bible, that they have the power to do that. It says that in the book of Psalms 91, it talks about that if you're in trouble and you call God, he will answer you and save you. Mm-hmm. These are the times where we got to just let our gifting be used, but also outpour our gifting to others. You know, that's an interesting statement that you just made, because when I reached out to God, I was asking the Lord to find someone to take care of my children because I was dying. And I had reconciled with myself that I was dying and I didn't believe that God could heal me. I, I didn't believe anything in this book. And so to me, it was just a fairy tale. And I, I thought, I'm going to pray to the God of the universe. And that's why I said the, the creator of the heavens and the earth, that God, to find someone to take care of my kids. Because I thought he could point the way to some nanny or maybe even a girlfriend of my husband after I died. You know, he'd find this girl and they could get married and take care of my kids. And I just, all I wanted in my mind was somebody that was going to love them like I loved them. I didn't say that. I just said, find someone to take care of my kids. But in my mind, I thought somebody that loves them like I do. And I didn't think it was going to be me. I didn't think it was going to be that he healed me. I thought those were just, you know, fake news. I didn't realize that was the good news. You know, but anyhow, um, 
so yeah, when we when we ask somebody to pray um that's not saved, that's that's where I was. I wasn't saved. Um it's good though to let them know that Jesus is the one that you're praying to um and encourage them to pray for that to 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 him too. Um, but, you know, I didn't know Jesus' name either. So it's interesting. God will save the, those he chooses to. And I I like the way you're thinking on asking them to pray. Um, that gives them that step in the right direction. Um, and, you know, obviously that scripture that says, if you seek me, you will mm-hmm. find me. And by the way, I was seeking in every direction other than the Bible. I was going um, to, you know, everything else because I thought that's where God was going to be. And who knew that God was going to push me back towards the Bible? But, you know, he finds his own, right? So, yeah, that's a good statement. Okay, so you're you're teaching people to pray, um, even strangers, Yes. You know, like Kobe Bryant, he was all about, you know, the Mamba mentality about what you're good at, you know, uh, concentrate on it, pour into it, give your whole life in it. So I found through through, you know, praying all my troubles, all my situation that God gave me that passion to want to pray and to help people and to, you know, master that. So I I, I want to pour out my gift to help others so they could be empowered with that, that they would know no matter where they're at in their life, that they could pray to God. Mm-hmm. that they could call out to God. And then not only that, that they could master whatever they're good at. Because whatever you're good at in God and you master it, you're just going to complete the body so powerfully, especially in these end times. We need that focus to be on our gifts. And it's not just our gifts. It's the giver of gift because we're going to be able to function in the Holy Spirit. You know, in the book of Zechariah 4, 6, it talks about it's not by might or by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. So I'm all about following the spirit of God and teaching and empowering and coaching and whatever I could do to be a blessing to anyone else. Because can you imagine someone, like you said, that doesn't have a relationship with God, but somebody told them you could pray, you could call out, that they'll know, I don't have to go to a church to find Jesus. I don't have to go to the altar to find Jesus. I could find Jesus Christ was street level. He was a radical evangelism. He was out there at street level. He wasn't dressed in a fancy suit with a tie. He didn't say, you have to come in your best to come meet me. He's there. So the people are on the street. You could find Jesus. You could call to him. You could even just say Jesus and you could pray to him and God will see you through. So that's what I really want to do right now is to empower the people to know, well, matter what, they have the same power and the same love. That only comes from Christ. Wow, that's really good. That's really good. So um, I know because you call me to pray. Yes. And um, we go over our list together as to um, what we're going to pray for. And we do storm the gates of heaven um, with prayer. And so I know that you're such a prayer warrior. But what I didn't know until, I don't know, recently is, is your desire to train and mold and encourage others to pray, including the lost. Yes. Um, and, and we all know that that sinner's prayer that we pray when we accept the Lord isn't magical. There's nothing to that prayer unless you mean it, unless you are calling out to him and asking him with your whole heart. Is, this is why this is why the Lord loved David so much. David had committed sin after sin. I mean, some of the biggies. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He was in that. Thou shalt not murder or kill. He was in that one too. But God loved David because of his desire to, to ask for forgiveness and run to God. And say, I, I failed. Help me. Um, and so teaching people to go to God when they're in and out of season 
is what you're teaching others to do. In their darkest hour, that they would be able to call out to God, that they would be able to know that. And and one thing what I do with drug addicts on the street is I pray for them and I say, okay, now I want you to pray for me. And they said, I don't know how to pray. I say, you just talk to God. Mm-hmm. And I said, the reason I want you to pray for me is not only for you to have the same power that I have, but I want you to know that I need your prayers, mm-hmm. that I'm no better than you, mm-hmm. that your prayers are going to cover me. Mm-hmm. And you see them pray and you see that I could walk away knowing that that's going to keep me humble, broken and sensitive to the need. Because we could become just so like, they're good. Somebody will pray for them. But let it be that you pray for them. Let it be that you encourage them and leave them something. So my gifting is prayer. So I want to leave the treasure that God has given me to their their treasures. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's really good. Um, I would like to, in the last few minutes... Um, Ask those that are listening. First of all, before I let you go, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Because I'm going to close in a minute. I just want to tell the listeners that there's nothing that God cannot help you with, Mm -hmm. that there's nothing too far or too dark. And I want to encourage you listeners today that if you and your are if you are in your darkest hour, that is the greatest place to be. And you might say, oh, but I have so much problems. I have so much trouble. The greatest place to be is in your darkest hour because you will have such a comeback and such a victorious uh, anointing come out of you. Because when you're in so much pain, the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's close to the brokenhearted and out of your adversary and pain will come out greatness, not just for you, but to help someone else, because we're going to run to God. We're going to be in a place where only God could help see us through. And as Christians, there might be a lot of you that have backslidden or that are cold right now. I want you to know this is the best hour to be, to cry out to God, to, to fast and pray like never before. And you're going to be able to not only help yourself, but you're going to be able to help someone else. Because if we didn't go through that darkest hour, how would we know what the greatness inside of us would be? Yeah, that's true. Now, um, I, I, as you were talking, I was thinking um, of that scripture where sin abounds, you know, where there's sin going off in our lives like crazy. Much more does grace abound. God's grace is going to be there for them, no matter what they've done, no matter how tall they think their sins are, no matter where they've taken, if they were Christians and they're in sin, in deep sin, no matter where they've taken the Lord, he is there with so much grace and so much mercy for them. He's just waiting for them to open up in prayer. Um, and and you're you're really using prayer as... Just talking to God, bring him back into your life. Um, com- that relationship, building back that relationship. And and building back that relationship is all about talking to God and, and getting to know him more and we know him more. Just opening up our mouths and our hearts. We don't even have to use real words. Um, the Bible says he knows our groanings. Um whatever it is that, you know, sometimes we can't pray with words and it's just that crying out to him. He knows what we're trying to say. Just that groaning that we have, he knows what those words mean. He will formulate the words for us and he makes intercession for us. So all of that, um, thank you so much for, for that, um, Pauline. I so appreciate you. Now, I do want to talk to that person out there that has never made a commitment to God or is in that dark place and has walked away from God. And you think that you have backslidden way too far and you've got to get cleaned up, put your suit on and washed up, shaven and whatever. I'm thinking it's a guy, but maybe it could be a girl too. Washed up and cleaned up and, you know, spiffy up for him. He will take you just as you are. No matter where you are, whether you're sober or not, 
whether you're on the street or or in this lavish home. It doesn't matter where you are and what you've done. He's waiting for you to open up to him, the true and living God, Jesus. He died on the cross for you. And all of us, that's why we sit here today. Not because of anything we've done. It's because of what he did on the cross, the finished work there. If you would like to recommit yourself to the Lord right now, or you have never accepted Jesus as your Savior, today is the day of salvation for you. Follow me in this very simple prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins today. I have so many of them, I can't even think about what I've done. Forgive me for all those sins. I want to turn from my past right now and ask you to forgive me. I repent of everything. And I want to turn away from that life of what all those things that I've been doing. Help me to walk this walk with you. So today I commit myself to you. Grab onto my hand, Lord. And help me to walk with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have said that prayer and added much more to it if you want to, talk to God the way we are talking to each other. Talk to him. He's waiting for you. If you have said that prayer and mean it, and you would like us to know, because the Bible does say to make a public confession, and You could call us here at Hope Radio. You could go to my website, On the Road with Jesus, and email me. We would love to send you a Bible. We'd love to give you a track that tells you exactly what you've done um, in this beginning walk with with Jesus, or even a renewal of your commitment. I do want to say to those that have renewed their commitment with Jesus, you know, he never let go of you. You might have thought you let go of his hand, But his commitment to his vow to you when you made that commitment to him, he didn't disvow you. You you walked away. He didn't. He's still there with you. So um, thank you so much. Write us, call us, let us know what you've done um, in giving your heart back to the Lord or to the Lord for the first time. Thank you for joining us today. And thank you so much, Pauline, for a great testimony of how God can work in our lives especially in our times of trouble, like David. Well, join us again here on On the Road with Jesus. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H-F-I-S-H-E-R at ontheroadwithjesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project, Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher.